right, lead heads, welcome back to the Nordic Components Talking Lead Podcast. This is episode 170, and we are going to have a really good show today. We've got a fun guest on that I'm going to introduce you to here in just one moment. But first, I want to thank our good buddy Andrew from last week, uh, being on the show last week. And uh, helping us with the AK information. Uh, Andrew, like I said, is an encyclopedia of firearms. He knows just about anything to know. So uh, he and I are going to be headed down to the Iraq veteran 888888888 annual YouTube range day down in Georgia. So as you guys are listening to this, Andrew and I will be popping off many rounds of many different calibers of guns. So we're going to be having a good time. We'll have an interview with several of the people that are going to be down there, um, videos, uh, all kinds of good things. And then I'm headed straight down to Daytona to the Big 3 East event, and there's going to be more fun times shooting guns, interviewing uh, gun companies, gun people, uh, manufacturers, all kinds of cool. I don't know who all is going to be at the Big 3 yet, but uh, I'm going to make sure that I get some interviews that I didn't get last time. So this week we have a very special guest. We have the president and CEO of the San Joaquin Rifle and Pistol Range in Linden, California, Christine Zader. Is it Zader or Zador? Well, it was originally Zador, but it's been Americanized, so it's Zader. Zador. Now, is that <laughs> is that uh, Hungary? Is that right? Hungarian. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that. There's You've got some really neat from your family. I'll get into that a little bit. But uh, introduce yourself. Tell everybody a little bit about you. Uh, well, I grew up out on the shooting range. My parents took it over from the county in 79, and um, I you know, was a target setter and watched my parents run this place for many years and um, you know, never anticipated that this is what I would be doing you know, with my life, but here I am still running the range and keeping it in the family. So Yeah, so you were, you were born on that range, weren't you? Pretty much. I mean, I was born in Lodi, technically, but I, I've lived the majority of my life on this facility, on this property. So the county just kind of turned it over to them to, to take over and. Right. So from my understanding is that my dad, when he purchased the land, he knew that this was uh, going to be the shooting range. And he was interested in firearms just based off of what he had went through during his childhood. And so when he took the property over and purchased it, they said, just keep it as a shooting range, continue to run it. Cause it was originally a County range. It's, it's on a landfill. So a closed site. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we do still work with the County, make sure that we keep the property the way that it needs to be because it is a landfill. But um, Yeah. yeah, so they, they took it over and then just kind of, expanded it, grew it, um, improved it, and and then here here I am now. And you know, the, the cool thing about this is that it's in California. <laughs> that you you know you got a successful gun range in in California. How's the Linden area as far as uh, you know firearms and the second amendment? Is it pretty welcome there in that in that area of California? I don't feel a lot of resistance in Linden. Linden isn't that large, um, but we have a lot of farmers out here. I'm surrounded by crops. So, um, most of your farmers are supportive. They shoot themselves. Um, they have their own property, so they don't necessarily need to they come shoot to a themselves? 
that's that's competitive farming right there. <laughs> they, <laughs> okay, they they shoot as well. I got you. I got you. <laughs> but they have their own property, so we don't we don't see them as often, you know, as we do the people who live in in town. Um, right. so, yeah. What uh, what kind of crops are they growing out there? We've got cherries and almonds and onions and peaches and wow, that's walnuts awesome. and. Uh, Tomatoes. I mean, you name it, we have it. That's awesome. Grapes. Yeah. The, the cool thing about this is, you know, knowing a little bit about your father, you know, what he's famous for, what he's known for, I just, I just find it odd that he would open up a, a gun range, you know? So when my dad was young, he, uh, well, he grew up in Hungary right next to the Budapest River. So he experienced um, what was going on during that time, but he would find firearms laying on the ground uh, and he would pick them up and he'd take them back to his apartment. And so his, <laughs> his mom- He would just uh, find them laying on the ground? Yes, he, he would scoop them up all over the place, whether they'd be, um, you know, disabled firearms or stuff that's left behind. He would grab it. So this take is it like pre-World War, what, one or two? For him. Well, this is when the Soviets invaded uh, and in, in Hungary. So okay. they were. Um, Was it during the when they were revolting? Yeah, so um, so the Nazis were World War Two when the Nazis the came Revol in, and then the Revolutionary Russians. War. Andrew and I were talking last week about just being able to go around and pick up guns. How the government says, you know, you can go to these some of these countries, you, there's guns laying around everywhere, and you just pick them up. Right. So they were looking for Jews in the apartments um, for the Hungarians who was housing the Jews. So yeah. my dad would find soldiers' firearms laying, laying around. Um, you know, because there was war going on. He witnessed Jews with the yellow star being shot into the Budapest River. He doesn't talk about this stuff a lot. It took a, a lot of effort. Most of the information that I got from him about what he experienced came through interviews, the very few interviews he did with people, um, such as uh, with Freedom's Fury, which is the... the yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. That's a documentary that Quentin Tarantino, a Tennessee native... Uh, did. And Lucy Liu, they co-produced. Yep. Yeah. They co-produced that. So he would take those parts of the firearms and he would get to know them. And um, he manipulated them quite a bit. And when the Germans would come upstairs and he would watch them one after another come through the hallway to the stairwell, he would tie a fish line to the trigger guard and he would lower it down the bathroom window to their apartment and then he would run out and stand next to his mom as the germans came in and they would search the apartment to see if they were hiding any jews there and then as soon as they went out he'd wait until they did all the rest of their clearing and then watch them you know as right before they went out they would he would pull the firearm back up into the bathroom and then put it back in its hiding place so he he at a young age had a very strong interest in firearms so he naturally probably more so them. for just self-preservance and to protect his it could very well be yeah. i mean i i would assume that's what he did he was um, but he was only 10 years old but at that time, and like I said, my dad, it was very difficult to discuss this stuff with him. Um, he was very humble. not talk about it much. Uh, not at all. Yeah. So, I mean, Sports Illustrated, I mean, there's so many different 
uh, news reporting companies and, and magazines and what have you reaching out to him to hear his story. And he just, he wouldn't do it except for this, this documentary. He said, that is the last one I'm going to do. And that was done in what, 2006? Yes, 2006. So Freedom's Fury, he was able to actually go back to Hungary for this documentary and meet some of the Soviets that they played against during this game, uh, which was, it had a huge impact on him. I think it was really a great experience for him to and go and meet these people. And for, for our listeners, her dad, can we say his name, who he is? Are you okay with yes, that? Yes, that's it. Yeah. It's Irvin Zador? Zador, yes. Zador. Irvin Zador. And uh, what she's talking about now is during the Summer Olympics, 1956 Summer Olympics that were Australia. Um, after uh, Russia came in and basically saved Hungary, I guess, from the Germans, ran the Germans out, they basically, it's like jumping out of the, the frying pan into the fire. They were treated just as bad or horribly by the Russians and this Summer Olympics polo, water polo event. And if I'm saying something wrong, let me know. I mean, correct me if I'm um, Her dad was on the water polo team for Hungary. And Hungary and Russia were matched up in this event. And I'll let you take it. Uh, so they, they were in the semifinal round and Hungary needed to win this in order to get into the final game. Well, the score was up um, 4-0, I believe. And my dad Hungary, was Hungary was up four, four zero correct. over over Russia. They were beating the snot out of him. <laughs> my dad was um, he was one of the best players. So I, I've heard my dad say it twice. Um, some one time I was actually pretending to sleep in the back of the car going to a swim meet, and he was talking to another coach. Um, but he said that he felt as though the Soviets sent in one of their players specifically to take my dad out of the game because he was considered to be one of the best players on the team, if not the best, because he had a high scoring statistics for the Olympic games. Right. So kind of um, like hockey. Yep. Where they go in and take out people in hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, the Soviet came in and it was just a really heated match anyways, but he went in there and he came out of the water below his belly button and just came up really big and hit him in the face and it just crushed his, his over his right eye and um it immediately just sent blood just you know sprawling through the water everything started to turn red and the crowd was just hugely heated and it was so intensified it was kind of like yeah, they said you know, there, were, there were fights breaking out in the crowds, and they had to stop the game because of the crowds, the fights that were going on in the crowds. And exactly. It was, it, was, it was a very, it drew a lot of world, not just national, but world attention, this match. It's still known as the bloodiest game in water polo history. Uh, many people still talk about it. He was actually, or this story was actually featured in this recent Olympic Games. Um, but yeah, it, it was just very political politicized um and it just it represented a lot so the picture of the ref walking my dad out of the the pool area with the blood coming down all the way down his body um that that found itself on the cover of time magazine and it just became kind of iconic do you have that issue i have i have the pictures of it i don't have the original issue oh man that would be cool to find that My, my brother has it actually Oh, he does have the original? 
Somebody found it for him and gifted it to him, and okay. he won't give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Leadheads, we've, we've got a mission. Uh, do you know what year that was? Was it in 1956? 19, that's correct. Okay, so find the 1956 issue of Time uh, where Christine's father is on the cover. Irvine Zador? Zador. Z-A-D-O-R. Irvin Zador. Irvin Zador. I'm going to screw that up like a... That's all right. <laughs> but uh, if anybody comes across that, shoot me an email, talkingled at gmail.com, or hit us up on our Facebook page and let us know that you found that. Oh, my gosh, that would be amazing. That would be awesome. So that uh, that's my surprise as to why, you know, because I knew from the stories I've heard in the past about your father, he was uh, an Olympic wa- water polo player. What do they call it? What are they called? Water poloist? Water... Yeah, water polo player. Water polo player, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, to, to hear, you know, this story about him and that, you know, he owns this range, pretty much raised his family on this gun range, this fire range, in California, no no less. Of course, back in those days, California wasn't the California that it is today. Exactly. A little more conservative and 2A friendly and mm-hmm. uh, it was very 2A friendly back, back very, then. Very, I... I remember it was everybody, there was never any resistance to having a firearm. I mean, of course, I was growing up in the middle of it on a shooting range, but I mean, we would just travel to different ranges and do these silhouette matches or just shoot. I, I just never, I, it's, I, just to think of when it all changed. I can't even remember what year it was, it, but it just, it happened very quickly, I guess. Let me go back here. Um, Let's rewind. Rewind. There was a point where my parents, they had the facility. It was running so successfully. This place was gorgeous. I mean, it was just top of the line. And they were running these silhouette matches regularly. Um, and my mom was hunting all the time, bringing back her dairy elk, all that. Well, it got to the point where um, we actually... <sighs> know how much I really want to say about this because I don't have a hundred percent facts based off of the conversations that I've overheard through different conversations my parents have had and me trying to dig into him. He didn't open up to me a lot about the specifics, but it's my understanding that there was some property behind the range that was there were some political things that were going on and some of it had to possibly do with water. Sure. Um but yeah. the that business that owned the property prior to the people that own it now have found an NRA member who made it very difficult for my parents to keep the range open. It took two years and a very long lawsuit. Mm. They had to put up baffles everywhere. Uh, my parents, I mean, they took credit cards out in my brother's name. It just, it bled them dry. And this was through the uh, NRA? No, there was just somebody who was working with them in order to put them through this big, long lawsuit that almost, I mean, so close. Did it have to do something with the pollution or something of the water? No. No? No, I think... um, Somebody won some water rights that went... That's what I understand, but one of the major reasonings was ricochets, so they put the baffles up and whatnot, but it wasn't the baffle systems that they had to put up that, like, make it so difficult. It was the drawn-out process of 
two years paying for the lawyers. And oh, Lord, yeah. I mean, it just got led into this long, exhausting, very depressing experience for them. So they went from loving this facility and putting everything they had into it to basically losing everything and almost shutting down. So they didn't have any more to give and they ran it as best they could with what they had left in them. And then they just eventually got too old and depressed. I mean, it really, it was really hard. It was hard for us as kids going through all that. Um, You know, when I went to USC, they were just coming out of that lawsuit, but it took them forever to get back on their feet. You know, my parents were so consumed with all that, that there was just this absence of them being in my life while I was going through, you know, my, my growing up and going off to college and all that stuff. So it, it was, it was the hardest time that our parents kind of experienced and it, it affected the range. So that's why when in 2008, when I moved back into the area, I started to help him with the facility and I recognized that my mom had Alzheimer's. So my dad needed some help. And of course I was, I was right on board and say, of course I'll come help. And by the time they, um, you know, by the time I got in here, I tried to make improvements and help run the facility. I had so much catch up to do with, you know, my mom and her changing of, of her mental status that, um, it was really difficult I had to stop coaching because that was my other full-time job and just focus on the range. So when my dad and I in 2011 made the decision to renovate the facility, we put everything into it. And because um, I couldn't stand it anymore. This, if you, I was running the front office and running down the stairwell to be in range safety officer and then running back up to the office to take in customers because my parents had it as a, a sole proprietorship. So when I made the decision to do it, I, I just got thrown into running everything. And people thought I was the biggest bitch. Can I say that on air? Oh, well, they people were rapid firing and there was rules. And so as people were making mistakes, I was developing these range rules and um, just taking in as much information as I could and just implementing new protocols and finding people to help with it and getting volunteers. And so it was just a long few years before that re- renovation happened that I was just trying to keep it open because it was just so much, it was so close to just walking away from it. And I think once, if I was to walk away or any of my family members to walk away, the range would cease to exist. It became the most important thing to me because it was my parents' legacy. I mean, I when my dad passed, I think that was the, the one thing that really hit home for me was, you know, do I let 35 years or 34 years of their hard earned efforts to get to just hold on and keep it going. Do I walk away and just, I mean, it's one of the few remaining public shooting ranges in California. So I felt a responsibility to just do anything I could to keep it going. And I've made so many mistakes along the way. I'm the first to admit that, but I've also learned so much about myself and so much respect for my parents for what they had to go through because the industry is not a walk in the park. <laughs> it's not, especially now because of well, especially the politics. In where you're at. Yeah. Especially in your area. It even right. makes it triply. Yep. So good for you for doing that. Good on you. Thank Way to you. go girl. So that's been, <laughs> you say so you, you came back in 2000. So it's been about eight years. You've been doing that now. Kind yes. Of I mean, it was, it, it was half asked in 2000. It, I'm sorry. It was 2003 that I moved back. I took a short break 
um, after college. And then I, I came back to the area and I started running an aquatics program that my dad had and then also the shooting range. So I was doing both and my dad was such a hard ass. I mean, I never worked hard enough. I, I would put 60 hours, 80 hours at least a week opening up the swim pool at 4 a.m. and then coming back to the range and trying to run the range and then going back to coach again or depending on what time of the season. I mean, he and I were running two businesses at the same time. So mm. I finally told him um, it was about 2010. I'm like, you, you got to just I, I have to commit to one. So we, we ran the range very we just did the best that we could with what we had as a sole proprietorship. Just made it work. Keep it going. Yep. And there's a lot of people who would say at some point it was the Wild West out here. People kind of did what they wanted. They absolutely disrespected the facility. And I mean, why not? Because it didn't look good. They just didn't have the fight in them anymore to keep up with 20 acres of property maintenance. Were they getting yeah. any flack from the county at that point? I mean, yeah, there was. there have been a lot of different moments of being kicked in the ass by the county. I mean, my, yeah. my dad had made some decisions that he didn't know what the consequences would be when he thought he was helping somebody out. And then he ended up having to pay royal royally for it yeah. in the aftermath. And so I was there kind of going through all the improvements that needed to be done in order to even um, get us onto the level playing field of okay now it's now we can really push to go forward because we've covered up all these you know bad decisions that kind of just came about it, it there's so much that has gone on i mean it's really hard without doing a full timeline to just pinpoint all the different things that have happened on this property there's a certain type of energy that is, exists out here and people talk about it i have i have customers or um, you know, staff members who say, oh, yeah, I used to shoot out here when I was 11 years old and, you know, got ran down and been here in so long. And now they come back and they're like, wow, this place has just changed so much from what it was. And they just. Well, that's cool they that you, have, you have people that are still around that, that shot there. When that's, I love it. One of the biggest cool. problems about running the range is that there's so much to do when you have a business in California, any business. And so I get stuck in the back office a lot. Half the time, people don't even know that I exist. They think one of my range safety officers or one of the girls that run the front office, they, they own the range. People all constantly think that because at first... I was the only person anybody would ever see. But once it got renovated and when my dad passed and I turned it to corporation and hired a staff, I got stuck in the back doing so much of just trying to like keep it going. So I don't know. It, I love getting out there because I get to hear stories from patrons who say, your dad mentored me or this is his gun. He built this. I mean, I get so many people who say, still, they, and I say, when you're ready to let that gun go, yeah. let me have it. Let me know first. And they'll say, oh, I'm never letting this go. <laughs> you're like, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's the type of guns he built. I mean, now, your were, dad was a gunsmith also. That's not something that we've talked about either. Self-taught gunsmith? I would, yeah. I would assume, you know, from, yeah. from the stories of what you're telling me in his youth, he just hands-on learned how to do that stuff. He's brilliant. I mean, anybody could walk into his office and ask him a question, and he – it depended on if he liked you or not, actually. <laughs> he, was, he was a particular personality and a very dry Hungarian humor, but – if he liked you, he he could spit anything that you needed. He would help you to get what you needed in order to, 
you know, accomplish what you're after. And it was just amazing because he just knew everything about it. There, he was relentless on getting the information he needed because he was there doing it with everybody. Right. And that's how I function as well. I mean, without this competition and me actually wanting to do the American Marksman competition, I had no interest in firearms. Like I didn't want it. I, I ran the range. That was what I did, but I didn't, you could barely get me out to shoot. My staff would ask me, Hey, you want to come out and shoot? And I'd be like, no, I got this stuff to work on. Or I'd have friends over and they'll, they'll all go out to shoot. And they say, are you going to come out with this? I was like, no, I got to watch the state. I got to work. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I got to, I got to work. You know, yeah. it's like a, you know, a plumber. They've got the leakiest faucet gun range owner. You know, they don't ever get time to go out and shoot. And that's what people say. If I owned a range, and there are millions of people who know how to run this business better than me, and I hear about it all the time, but they all think, well, you you live and run a shooting range. You must shoot all the time. And I was like, actually, no, I don't shoot at all. I mean, but now, I mean, not now. I spend hours and hours on the range putting lots of ammo downrange. So it's not the same ever since I got involved with the competition, but without me experiencing these Lots competitions, of Snake River team never quit ammo. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's going to be a blessing for us, you know, because that's it's. Yeah, so you, you know, guys are a part of VFOB now, the Veteran Family of Brands or Ford Operating Base. I'm a sponsored range, so I'm not actually one of the distributors because I don't build anything, but. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a range where you guys come. Um, I'll, I'll have VFOB products in the front. I'll have a whole section just for them. And it, it's just basically going to be, you know, have events out here, get their products out and stuff. So it's still very uh, premature. Like we're yeah. still developing that. And you guys, this- speaking of events, you, you've got a very cool event coming up that it'll be this month, October, actually on Halloween, right? Uh, the weekend before. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But I hear that jack wagon train rolling in right now. <laughs> so, Benny, bring that jack wagon train in. Hey, Ralph, Semper do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the Talking Lead Jack Wagon of the Week. So brace yourself, baby. All right, guys. So the train has stationed, and we've got several jack wagons that we're going to be putting on the train this week. All right, and I am going to let ladies go first, our guests go first. So, Christine, who's your jack wagon this week? This week, for me, Hillary Clinton is on the jack wagon train. (laughs) For two reasons. Well, for for two more reasons. (laughs) (laughs) She has earned a permanent seat on our jack wagon train, so she's like permanently affixed, but this just solidifies her seat on the jack wagon train. She makes it so easy. Yeah, she is. She, she's just a natural for the jack wagon train. So what do you? What are your reasons for? Okay, so the first. I was going to say something nasty about her, but Miss Clinton. Okay, so during the recent debate, she was talking about re-implementing the assault weapons ban that her husband implemented in 1992. Mm-hmm. So according to the updated assessment of the federal assault weapons ban impacts on gun market and gun violence, which dates from 94 to 2003. The assault weapons ban virtually had no impact on violent crimes committed with sporting rifles. There was an estimated 80 million AR style weapons in the US. Crimes committed with ARs proved to be less than a fraction of a percent. Mm -hmm. So basically there's no data that supports the ban was even effective. With the lack of data collected, 
and the fact that assault-style weapons accounted for less than 2% of all firearms-related traces and charges, why re-implement the ban? Because it just sounds like it's going to fix some kids that don't understand. You know, exactly. It's just talk. It's just lip service. That's all she's doing. It's just lip service. It sounds good you know, to the layperson that doesn't understand what it is, but in actuality, it, it has the opposite effect. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's reason number, number one. What's number two? Okay, so the second reason she gets put on is for wanting to repeal the law that shields gun manufacturers from liability if their products are used during an illegal act. That would be like suing Chevrolet because their vehicle was used during a drunk driving accident. Product manufacturers should not be held liable for an individual's disregard for the law and or in the intended purpose for that product. Exactly. Now, if the gun malfunctions in some way and injures or harms somebody, then yes, absolutely. But if someone takes that and they want to use it as a hammer and, uh, <laughs> you know, they hurt somebody or kill somebody with it and then they try to sue the gun company for that, that's ridiculous. You know, absolutely. It's, it's the individual's misuse of what it's intended for. That's the problem. Very good. So keeping with the debates that you're, you're talking about, I'm going to go ahead and I've got a couple from that. Of course, that only leaves two more people that were involved in the debate, right? So the, the moderator, that Lester guy, um, what's his name? Lester? I looked it up. Anyway, uh, the moderator, Lester, <laughs> he, uh, he just was just so blatantly biased uh, with his questions and how he approached each of the candidates. Uh, and then his final one, asking Trump if he would support Hillary if she won the election. And, of course, he didn't ask Hillary the same question. I mean, that's kind of the point of the, point of the moderator is, you know, get both sides, give them equal time on the same questions. And uh, that's kind of how they wrapped it up. Uh, basically, can Trump look like he's given up? Like, yeah, she wins. I'm going to. Uh, and then Trump for actually answering the question and saying, yes, he would support her. So Trump gets on the jack wagon train for that. Mm -hmm. so, there's two jack wagons. So the whole debate, a total train wreck, so to speak. Now, I've got another one I'm going to throw on. I don't know if you've heard about this, um, Christine, but there's been like a, an outbreak of like clowns. Um, yeah, there's been like clown hoaxes all around the country where people have been dressing up like clowns and like scaring people, harassing people. Have you heard about that? Heard. Yes, I've heard about it. This is crazy. And it there... seems to be more in the South for like Tennessee. Well, I, I don't maybe you've heard the same thing. I'm not sure. But what I've heard is that they're coming out from like the woods and just staring at people and creeping them out and then turning around and walking away. Yeah. Back into the woods. Yeah. Yeah. It's just they're just like, I don't know. I don't know. I think <laughs> this is it's it's leading to something bigger. Maybe. I don't know. I don't understand what it is, but. I think they've been going on people's like private property and standing on in people's yards and doing it also. Just, Are they proving a point of like, hey, we can be anywhere we want to be, and so I don't know. That's kind of like the uh, the V for Vendetta people. What's that? What's that group called? The big internet people. I, I uh, anonymous. Anonymous. Yeah, it's kind of like anonymous, but they're like they're clowns now. <laughs> right. I don't know what it is, but some people have been arrested. And eventually somebody's going to get shot over. They're going to step uh, on the I wrong think. property owner's property and they're going to get shot over. And then we're going to hear about it in the news. And of course, if somebody's just standing on your property in Tennessee, you know, unless 
you're threatened, you know, life threatened, you can't you can't use deadly force. If they're stealing your property, you can't use deadly force. Now you can chase them down and beat them up, I guess. Uh, you can't shoot them, you know. If they've got a firearm and you feel threatened, life threatened, then yeah, you can shoot them. But call the police. If somebody's just standing in your yard being creepy, call the police. And then have your firearm ready if they do something else stupid. But there's there's no need to take deadly like that. Just giving you just right. call just call the police and they'll be there in about ten, twelve, thirty minutes. <laughs> Depending on where you live. Depending on where you live, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm throwing these uh these clown people that are dressed up like clowns and go around harassing people. So welcome to the Jack Wagon Train clowns. <laughs> Nordic Components is an American-owned manufacturing company proud to produce quality products right here in the USA. As a company, we continually invest in our manufacturing capabilities to ensure that all of our products are the highest quality and most efficiently produced parts available. The Nordic Components business consists of two segments, manufacturing and sales. Our manufacturing business works to provide custom machine components for a variety of applications with our specialty being firearm components. The sales business produces lines of branded firearm accessories to enhance and elevate the shooting experience. We are a company owned and operated by individuals devoted to shooting sports, and many of us shoot competitively. We attend and sponsor a number of events around the country each year where we listen to you, the consumer, and are proud to say that all of our firearm components are a direct result of your input. As a firearms accessory provider, our aim is simple. Provide shooting enthusiasts with innovative products of uncompromising performance and reliability. Nordic Components. Check us out at nordiccomp.com. All right, so we want to learn more about you, Christine. Oh, gosh. Got uh, got a little, little bit of history uh, about the range and, and how the range came to be and you're with the range. We want to learn more about you. So what's your earliest recollection of getting involved with firearms, your first firearm? I'm sure your dad took you out shooting. Yeah, um, I I remember. I mean, my childhood was pretty awesome. I got, you know, my parents didn't allow TV really, so we were making forts and riding quads, and so pretty much pellet guns, air mm-hmm. rifles. That's what I got introduced to when I was young. Um, you know, I was a target setter for the silhouette matches. I didn't shoot them, but I was around them a lot. Mm-hmm. So but after they I, get done shooting, you'd go set the targets back up. Exactly. Kind of like in a tennis match when they play tennis and you got the ball retrievers on each side of the. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Except, Except there's bullets involved with this. <laughs> right. We we hid behind the berms that they were shooting into. You hid behind the berms they were shooting into. Yeah. They we had lowered pits with a shack that was behind the berm, and they would call the target setters out, and we'd dart over the berm and. One person would pick up all the silhouettes and put them on the the steel strap that went across the ground, and then the person behind would spray paint them with black yeah. um, to cover the mark. So, what did you guys do in between um, shoots while you're behind the berms? You, you had know, to do something to kill the time. Kids are kids. So, what? Did y'all have a game set up back there or something? What'd you do? There was lots of games. I think the older kids were flirting with each other and the younger kids were just being obnoxious. <laughs> it was the best job though. Like everybody wanted it. They paid 50 bucks for the, wow. the whole day. It was, was a lot of money Heck back yeah. then. Back in the eighties. Yeah. Um, and we got hot dogs and barbecue and all kinds of stuff. So it was really fun. Um, I mean, you would never get away with kids being behind a berm that's being shot into at, um, no. these days, but nothing ever happened out there. So 
Except a little okay. flirt, fl- little flirting apparently happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you know how kids are. I mean, I I heard stories of you know my sister did it, my brother did it. My sister's eight years older, my brother's two years older. But I heard one time that my sister like dumped a pan a can of paint on top of one of the other girls' heads. So you know, there's normal kid stuff going on back there. <laughs> dumped a can of paint on her. She must have been uh, flirting with one of her boyfriends. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Jealousy. How many brothers and sisters? I have a brother, Anthony. Um, he lives in Georgia. And then I have my sister and um, in, here in Stockton and my brother, who's also in Ribbon here. So you got two brothers and a sister. Correct. Four of you. Big, big hungry family. Yes. Where's your mom from? Is she American? Yes. You know, your dad, he, um, he defected right after the Olympics. That's correct. Is that right? Good yeah. for him. Yeah. All right, next question. I'm glad he did. <laughs> I, I know you don't have any law enforcement or military background, but uh, you said you went to USC. What did you go to USC to study? Uh, I went to play water polo. You, you played water polo? Okay. So I... That's I, what uh, I expected, you know. Your dad's a water polo. You're, you're water so polo. that's why I, I haven't done... I was never into shooting. I was more inter- interested in riding horses and swimming. Um, and then once I found water polo at my freshman year summer, um, I transferred to a high school and commuted because they had a women's water polo program in Modesto. And I, I just, I mean, it's in my blood. I fell into it. I did very, very well. So I got a scholarship to USC. Uh, but this was all happening while my parents were going through a t- transition and whatnot. So um, my freshman year, I scored the winning goal to win the national championships uh, for USC in the fifth overtime, which actually has a, a fun little story. I don't know. How it's, Any blood involved with that one? <laughs> well, a lot of games, there was a lot of blood. Either I or other people were bleeding. You know, it it's a very, very tough sport. Um, you know, I've had... A small concussions and split eyes and all that. And I loved every minute of it, but, um, it was, yeah, it was my greatest love. So that's what I did for most of my life until, you know, I, um, I just, I just, that's so, it's so weird, right? I grew up on the shooting range and I never really wanted to shoot. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's kind of common though for, you know, especially a lot of kids that their, their parents do a lot of it or into it pretty heavy, then the kids tend to want to do something else. Yeah. Rebel. Well, it's either way. I mean, unless you're Mikulik's daughter, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, you can either, it can go either way. Either you rebel or you... It can. Yeah, it can. It it seems like I hear more people kind of shine the opposite, trying to rebel. But when you got a lot of, you know, a lot of kids, then, you know, obviously one or two of them are going to take it up. Well, There's I guess always it, one that's, you know, the black sheep of the family. <laughs> my my dad was a gunsmith. He liked the tinkering with the firearms and developing things that were so precise. He wanted to make sure that everything he did was, like, I mean, the best. So he loved that game. My mom was the hiker, the hunter, the shooter, the horseback rider, the uh, fisher, she was the one who brought back the deer and the elk and sometimes bear ass, you know, and <laughs> I guess I rebelled from her. How, I mean, she was so good. I remember they, he, they would talk about how they, her, my dad and their friends would go to shooting competitions and my dad would compete along with their friends and uh, my mom would always win. So my mom was really successful shooter. She, 
from what I understand, she had won some championships. I don't know the specifics on that, but um, this is what I understand from people that I uh, cross paths with. And I just knew that she was really good. And for some reason, I never was told about these championships. But uh, my dad was a water polo player, so I didn't rebel from water polo. That gift that was given to me, that was the other half of my dad's life. He spent his weekends at swim meets while my mom ran the range. Everybody thought my dad ran this range, but really... My mom was, she held it down. Like she did everything. And, it, and my dad threw that back in my face when I was overwhelmed and trying to run this place. He'd say, your mom did it back then and she didn't need any help. And I'm like, good golly. You know, how am I it's supposed to live up to that? But um, so it's interesting that I got to do what my dad was, you know, what was in his blood, what he was really good at. And I got to, I mean, my water polo story is very interesting and I, I could have gone to the Olympics had I stuck with it. And so I feel like I really missed an opportunity. It's probably, I don't have very many regrets because I believe that you go through hard moments in your life that kind of develop who you are and you have to learn from things so that you learn Absolutely. to appreciate when things are good. So, um, you know, I thought it's one of the regrets that I have is that I, I, I stopped before I really had the opportunity to do what I love. You know what? You would have had a regret had you not done it. Well, yeah. I mean, my life would be totally different. But now I have an opportunity with my mom's talent to, you know, get into the shooting um, world. And but it sounds like you're of, still you're still coaching the swimming, or you were from I past I coach water polo. Uh, my brother took over my dad's aquatics program. So when I told him, Hey, I can't coach and run this pool and do the shooting range. He said, well, okay, you can do this. Uh, what do you want to do? And I said, I want the shooting range. And then my brother was a Mason. And basically when I pulled out of this aquatic center, my brother came in behind and um, started to take over what I was doing and kind of taking over the business from my dad. So you said he was a Mason. Is he uh, like a bricklayer Mason or was he a exactly. Masonic Lodge? No. Okay. Bricklayer. Because I'm a, I'm a Mason. Oh, okay. Yeah. But not a bricklayer Mason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we clarified that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I guess... I have an opportunity now to do what my mom did very successfully. So I get a second chance in life to really kind of follow suit with that. And that's kind of where my fact to fight the myth comes into play. Okay. Well, we're going to do that here in just a few minutes, uh, but I still got a few more questions. Okay. All right. So when it comes to pop culture, what is your go-to, whether it's a movie, a song, a magazine, a TV show, uh, what is your go-to that's gun-related or somewhat gun? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I suppose it would be just researching YouTube videos. I yeah. don't have television anymore. Um, I haven't had it for almost a year. I got rid of that. Um, so I don't fall asleep watching anything anymore and I don't have time for it really. So most of the things that I do is, um, you know, you, it, social media is such a great tool that you get to learn about different people and what they've gone through. There's just so much information. It's really hard to, what kind of videos do you like watching on you? Uh, competition style, uh -huh. whether it's USPSA, three gun, any of that. Right. I've heard a lot about top shot and, 
these programs, but I just don't have access to it unless I sit at my computer and really like. So you really love the talking lead videos when you. Right, that is <laughs> the top of my list. <laughs> and, and this is this is what's You're like, so. You got a YouTube channel. <laughs> I I've been doing this, running this range for four and a half years by myself. You know, my parents, my dad, you know, I, he pointed fingers. I asked him when I needed help, what do I do here? What do I do there? As we were developing and improving the range. And I, there just hasn't, he never really was interested in, in television or we never talked about politics. It's just so weird. I don't know why, but he just would not get involved. I mean, it must be because of what he was brought up in, what he saw during, uh, during that experience. So I just... I never really had an interest in any of that stuff. So for four and a half years now that this has become my sole focus, I've had to really just learn as I go and try and research as much information as at the time presents so itself. So do you use YouTube as a research tool also? Kind of? I wouldn't say most of the time, but you know, Google. Sometimes, yeah. Google, yeah, because yeah. you know, there would be something that I find interesting. I couldn't possibly learn everything that I needed to learn as quickly as I've been kind of just placed in this setting yeah. to run a shooting range by myself. So have you, have you traveled to other successful ranges just to kind of see what they do and how they run things? Have you tried that? Recently. Yeah. Just, just recently, recently because I started to shoot. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I really had, I knew, I always knew this. The first two years was really difficult after my dad. When I first changed into the corporation, I spent a year taking care of my mother. I mean, it was the hardest thing that I've ever experienced. And while doing that, I was trying to keep this range going. So when she passed that following year, I then had to mourn the loss of my dad and my mom at the same time because I really didn't have the opportunity to do that. So year two was very hard for me. And there was a lot of things that presented itself along the way that made it even more difficult. Sometimes the industry isn't as welcoming as you would think it would be. And so there's these different challenges and these really great learning lessons that I've gotten to experience to get myself into year four, where I'm really taking what I've learned in the last three years and what I've gone through and just using it to propel me into a more positive focus, making sure that this place stays open as long as we can keep it in California, you know, whatever I can do to stay ahead of the politics. And now it's a, it's a race for having enough time to do all the things that have been coming up, mm -hmm. the competition shooting, the events, the new programs at the range, um, podcasts and this, that, and the other. I mean, there's just, there's just so much opportunity. I'm so grateful for all of it, but I mean, it is a lot of work. It is. And it is. I mean, I love it. It's great. It's, it's amazing. I I it sounds like I you've, you've taken on a greater appreciation since you've actually started shooting yourself and you're, you're able to see more of what you need at that range yourself now. 100%. And I, I believe that my very amazing, awesome staff would agree. Um, wh when I made that decision to start that competition, I found a very deep love that, uh, for the sport that probably has been there for a very long time. I just never looked at it and let it come out. And now I just, I mean, you couldn't keep me off the range. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I didn't have to run the business, I'd be shooting the whole time. <laughs> All right. So what is your next got to have, want to have 
whether it's a gun or a piece of kit, something, what's your next got to have? I am so fortunate right now. I have a competition shotgun. I have a precision rifle. I've got a 22 long rifle. I've got, I've got a new pistol for competition that I'm running. I've got a competition AR that I've got coming. I've got everything I need except for, I want a uh, 17 HMR. And that's because, well, for one reason, uh, 22s ricochet quite a bit when you're shooting, but you know, we have a lot of coyotes out here and, um, you know, I've never hunted before. I mean, it's, I, I, I'm full support of hunting. I, I eat meat, but the way that I love to eat meat is when hunters and the people that come and frequent the range, they gift us some stuff and that's Mm -hmm. what I like to eat. I believe that um, hunting would be the best way to experience that because you you go out there, you you get it for yourself, and there's just this relationship that you have with what you're nourishing your body with, right? So I believe in that, but I just never had the platform to get to that point. I mean, I did. I was running the range, but I've just been so consumed with my life and the things that have happened during life right. that I really haven't had that opportunity to go out. So I have rifles that are coming in that – I'm going to be able to, you know, start tinkering with them and getting in there and I'm learning cool. more and more. I so mean, my dad you're and I take were up spending. You're going to take yes. up hunting. Yes. Awesome. Um, uh, it's going to be, I, I'm excited, but very nervous about it because, <laughs> I mean, I've shot varmint with my dad, mm-hmm. but I've never had to pull the trigger on a deer or, and I, you know, I, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, especially if you're an animal person, you know, you love right. animals like, like Which I, I do. And then there's always the whole side of, and of uh, shooting coyotes because they're just varmint. Well, they're they're a problem, and especially in our area where there's a lot of crops, and yeah. they're, they're an issue. But and, yeah. I mean, it's, especially when you're purchasing meat at a grocery store, I mean, those animals know they smell death, and that creates a chemical release in their body. So, as humans we ingest that and it actually can start to change your dna so when you're out hunting and you're going through that and you're taking a life and i mean they're in their natural habitat so it's not i mean i probably should do a little bit more research on the specifics of all that but from what i understand and what i've learned from it is that there's just a difference in the quality of meat that you're putting into your body because you only get your body once you know now where do you plan on going on your first hunt your first big hunt i i choose not to project whatever is supposed to happen is what's going to happen when it's supposed to happen it will happen okay so you don't have anything planned yet uh uh-uh. gotcha now laws be damned money be damned what would uh what would you like to put in arsenal gun or kit or vehicle i you could have anything if that if that was what was i, I mean i would do I have to talk about a firearm? Because I mean, really, no, I would just, I would put everything it's into this wide open shooting range. Yeah. I would put so, so would much. Just have the world's best, most badass shooting range. That's I cool. mean, for for the amount of of land that I have, um, with with the way that it's set up, I have a vision for it, and I just. I, it's like a playground for me. It's a never ending opportunity to just paint the picture that I want. But if money wasn't an issue and, um, you know, politics weren't an issue, I, I would turn this into such an amazing 
experience for somebody. I mean, you would come out, I mean, you would be able to shoot and you can, I have this huge pool because my dad used to run swim lessons in. I would put in a natural swimming pond. I would have the patio uh, just laid out with a, a deli on site that would be focused on nutrition. Uh-huh. Um, I would like to have a youth program where these kids can come out kind of like an internship or whatever, but they, they can grow food on site and, you know, maybe have veterans helping out with that. So they get their hands dirty as well. And, and it creates that connectivity with the youth and the veterans because kids need to know the history of why we are here and what our freedoms are. So having the opportunity to do that, and then they can harvest the food, but, you know, get off their phones. Right. And then they can bring the food into the kitchen. They can cook stuff for the patrons. I want to have a juice bar. And every time you purchase, you know, some sort of food out here, it'd be so clean and it helps you understand it'd be educational as well. What is the juice for the day? Well, we're using beets and we're using carrots and we're using this. Well, why is that food so good for your body? Well, when you have it fresh from, I mean, the skin isn't cut into, then you can nourish your body from the inside. I like this range. I want to come to this range. And are you going to have like, because if somebody comes to this range, they're not going to want to leave. So are you going to have like a a hotel room set up, you know, a lodge style kind of thing? Of course I've thought about that. So (laughs) I want to put in this really awesome Connex conics style building where we take a different a bunch of different conics and layer them and different with a common room Mm -hmm. so there's a central place for people to get together but it would be separate from the clubhouse that we have right now and and then they come for breakfast before they go train for the weekend and the training would be you know from nomenclature of a firearm to self-defense to introduction to competition shooting or youth-based programs, you know, anything. I mean, Hunting we classes, would have yeah, safety exactly. classes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, public awareness courses, women's only. That's I've the got first that time we've had uh, somebody say, you know, a range. Laws be damned, money be damned. They would uh, build those badass kick-ass. And then I have in the very back of the property, I have this huge pit. It actually, it kind of changes temperature when you go down there, but I would love to put in a tactical village or just any type of, I mean, you could do so many, there would be 360 shooting down there. So you would mm-hmm. have an opportunity to do something totally different and it would be an experience. It could be changed all the time. Have but you heard of means- Rock Castle Shooting Center in Kentucky? No. Look up Rock Castle Shooting Center in Kentucky. You don't have to do it right now. Um, but they have a huge range and they've got a lot, it's a lodge. They've got a lodge where we can stay. They've got a restaurant there and they've got these awesome caves that they have shoots in also. They have competitions out there. Some of the people will set up stages in a cave. It's really cool, but they've got a golf course on there and they've got what they're calling their 2A community which is a residential section that can come and build their houses and enjoy, you know, like people build their house on a golf range, they build their house on Mm -hmm. a a shooting range and enjoy all the amenities that come with that. And then, of course, being in the survival mode, you know, they have self-sustained water and like that as well. Well, And I would like to have compostable toilets and all sorts of things out here that introduce the youth into this, permaculture type mentality 
Um, so yeah, I think I would love that range. Very cool. Yeah, I would love that range. The one you're building. That's, that's oh, what I was talking, talking about, about the one in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, the one in Kentucky. Yeah, you would you definitely like it. Uh, and I'll have the one I'm building too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I hope I hope that's like my biggest fear. Well, that's what you got is, is, that... is you got to travel around to all these different ranges and take the right. best from each. You know, make your I, mega mecca. Well, I had this thing in my head when I first initially started using the facility where I didn't want to be like any other shooting facility. So I tried to stay to myself because I didn't want the influences. I knew that there was so much that I needed to improve on. I knew that I needed ideas and all that, but I wasn't ready to really go out and absorb what everybody else was doing because I, I, I want to be something different. Exactly. And yeah, so that's the same mentality I, that I used when I started this show, this podcast is I'd never heard a podcast. My partner and I started this. He's like, Hey man, let's, you know, let's start a podcast. And he's like, oh, cool. What the right. podcast is. So, uh, and I, I haven't listened to another podcast since I've been doing this. It'll be four years this December is because I want to keep it original. You know, I don't want people to think that I'm stealing from this guy or that guy, or I'm trying to emulate this person. There's no way I could do it because I don't listen to it. Now, I have recently just started listening to some podcasts, but I don't listen to firearms podcasts. I listen to more of uh, pop culture type things, you know, movies related, politics. Mm -hmm. uh, Dana Lash, are you familiar with Dana Lash? She's got a great political show. It's called The Dana Show. She's very interesting. But uh, yeah, so I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but uh, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I'm with I think you. That you and I are right here. We, right here. We're connected. <laughs> yeah, we're connected. I see you. But what, what I want to talk about is we've not really talked about the range. So tell us about your range. What what all do you have there? Tell us about your facilities. Um, so it's an outdoor public shooting range. I've got seven and a half, fifteen, twenty-five yard pistol, then a twenty-five yard um 22 long rifle or shotgun for paper targets only then a 50 yard rifle 50 a 100 yard rifle and the 200 yard so the 200 yard i put in three separate stalls so that i can bring in competition shooting in one direction i would have to shoot obviously i mean i would have to close down the 200 yard in order to use those stalls um, and then i have two other ranges that are for private firearm courses so um and then i have a clubhouse in the center where people come in and um i get a lot of compliments on on the way that the range is set up well i didn't really have any options because that's what was given to me right but right. um i mean people come from the bay area because when you're when they're really into the precision rifle stuff the direction and the wind and the way that the sun rises and falls, it all matters to them. So people come and drive quite a ways um, just because they like the way that their guns shoot on this range. And I love that about this place. But um, I think what, what makes us so special and, you know, it took us some time to get here, but the staff, I mean, we, we just, we're constantly improving how we can make this range better. And the number one way is just, um, by making sure that everybody is 100% safe, but there is a way to communicate with the patrons that come in here. 
Um, it's so important for people to not just shoot once a year. It's important for them to come back consistently and practice because that stuff goes away. I mean, if you're caring for CCW and you never shoot your gun and you think that when something actually happens, practice, you're going to be able to defend practice, yourself. Practice, yeah. Exactly. And so I want to develop programs that are easy. It welcomes them back in to practice and they get a instructor to oversee what they're doing so it can help them with their um you know their movement and whatnot and and it's all in a very safe environment it's hard to do that when you're on the public firing line i mean there's so many people who say well why do you have this rule or why can't you do this or how come we can't do that and it's just like well after being on the shooting range for as long as i had and i see in the amount of safety violations and the attitudes of how some people are and we have people from the public who are coming out and everyone thinks that they're the best shooters ever you know it it makes it so difficult to keep everything safe so we have to keep things very uniform with our staff and with the customers and not everybody likes it but then there's those who we want to be out here shooting or like i'm glad that you implement that but how do we get to the point where we can practice pulling from our holster we can't do that on the line well i'm developing you know i started the shooting club and um i have so much more that i want to do with the shooting club but it started with ladies pistol night and then and the reason why i started that initially was because i wanted I was getting phone calls from ladies who, oh, my husband, he gifted me this pistol or my dad gifted or my grandfather gifted me this gun and I live in Stockton and I'm scared sometimes, I'm a single mother and um, what do I do? How do I, I don't even know where to begin. So we developed this program very inexpensively. They don't have to give. And and what are these people thinking when they gift, you know, somebody a gun, especially somebody who's never used a firearm before? If you're going to gift somebody a gun, gift them training also. Right. Give them a big old training class along with it. Exactly. It, it does them no good if they don't know how to use it. Right. And then we see so many people. I mean, I've never initially I didn't want my range safety officers to be educators on the line. I want them to make sure they're focusing on that safety, safety, yeah. safety, safety, safety. But in order for us to keep a safe range, they need to educate people. And the best thing about them is that we've gotten we've gotten to the point where we educate while overseeing what they're doing and we talk them through. So we're not doing it for them. We're teaching them how to get better, which really isn't the role of what that shouldn't be what they're taking on. But in order for us to stay safe, we have to do that. And we say, you need to take a class. Well, everybody says it's so expensive and this and that. Well, I mean, you're going to own a firearm. There's a responsibility. I mean, we, we have to protect the second amendment. If you, don't know everything about it, educate yourself. And that's what we want to protect. The responsibility to learn how to use that firearm in a safe and proper manner is your responsibility. If you're not going to take on that responsibility, then you don't need a firearm. Exactly. And if you're interested and don't know how, then we've got, we've got a program for you. I mean, we'll make it happen. I, I, I've made our, our shooting club classes so inexpensive but it's really just about, you know, it's like a community service almost. I've got these trainers on board who, I mean, it's, they really deserve so much more for what they're doing. But um, we're all under the same impression that we need to make sure that these guys are getting the proper initial training that they need. They have a platform to do it. And it, it's because there's a lot of people who don't have a lot of money and they're strapped for cash. 
that they can't afford a $200 eight hour class on the weekend. So we break it down for you. Start with this and then come back for this one and then come back for that one. And it's, you know, just do it at your own pace, but just do it here. Here's how you can do it. We've made it available to you. There's really no, no excuse. Again, if you're going to take on the responsibility of the firearm, then the classes come along with, that's part of it. That's part of your expenses. It's it's part of of being responsible to a supporter. So just do it. (laughs) <laughs> and of course we're and preaching do it, and do it regularly we're preaching to the <laughs> choir here because our, you know our listeners know that right our lead heads are very well trained and educated we got a smart group but they uh, they know to uh, preach it the uh, the layman that don't know the, the proper techniques and rules and safety measures Now it is time for the Talking Lead Fact to Fight the Myths. Christine, what's our fact to fight the myth? Well, it is a common misconception that it's too late or too early to get involved with the shooting sports. And um, this one's fresh for me, obviously, um, as I've been talking about it this whole thing. Um, it really is never too late to accomplish your goals in general. Mm-hmm. But I just started shooting five months ago. I grew up on the range, yes. However, I never really had an interest in the shooting, um, the sport of shooting. Right. So with just four months, I reached my goal to win a, my spot at the American Marksman Nationals. So most wow. myself. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but so most, including myself, would believe that it takes years to develop that skill or the skills necessary to compete and win a regional championship. Granted, the American Marksman is an amateur competition, but there were some really talented shooters that made their way into nationals as well. I mean, I've seen some of them through social media and, and shooting against them. Uh, they're, uh, they're the difference between you know, a pro and amateur, I mean, American Marksman really laid it out. You really had to be at the top of those, but you could be a competitive shooter to be a part of this competition. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I definitely was very nervous about about um, being able to do it. I mean, I watched so many women in the shooting sport and they're just so amazing. And so my concern was, you know, I'm, I'm too old to get started in this. Well, I just, I enjoyed the experience. I got a coach and he just made it so fun for me that I didn't want to stop. And I was just going to do the best that I could do. So um, once I set the goal with the focus and follow through, and most importantly, just the ability to believe in myself. I mean, we can really accomplish anything. So it doesn't matter your age, your race, or your gender. So now that I have the opportunity to compete at nationals and the only way that I can lose is if I do not properly prepare myself and give a hundred percent, regardless if I take the title, I run a business, I coach, I find time for my friends and family and for myself, but I prioritize and give what I have available to that competition. And no matter what the outcome is, I have to be proud of what I accomplished because I give a hundred percent of what I have available. And for me, I get to go to this really awesome competition and possibly take home $50,000, but <laughs> compete against a bunch of other amazing people who, I mean, we have to shoot five different firearms and five different courses of fire. I mean, that's a lot to learn in such a short period of time, but it wasn't too late for me at the age of 36. 
And it wasn't too early for Kyle Holsey, um, who earned his spot to go to nationals at the age of 15. His dad is a hobby RSO on my facility, and Kyle started training with us along with a group of other people who um, tried, competed at regionals yeah. from my facility. And he beat up all the other youth, and now he's going as well. So it's nice. just never too late or never too early. There you go. Good fact to fight the myth. I like that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so so maybe I'll I'll start. Is that, well, too, late? Is that too late to start? I don't think it's too late because I mean, what competition are you going for? Uh, I mean, I'm not going for anything right now. I'm not going to do anything until I get my Cadillac out of my eye. I, <laughs> I got a cataract in my left eye, and I went to the eye doctor yesterday. Actually, I'm supposed to be following up when I get back from Florida to see about getting. But once I do that, then I'm ready to get into. I've never done it, but I've like I said, I have a shotgun. I have my pistol already, and I, I want to do long range too. Huh? I said, and I want to do long range too. I love long range shooting. A few weekends ago, I was able to experience some long range just with 22. Mm -hmm. um, and it was an amazing competition. It was so much fun. I mean, we were shooting all kinds of different targets and everybody shoots from one line laying prone. There was one movement with the 22 long rifle, but I am very excited to bring that competition to this range. If I get the opportunity, like I said, my biggest fear is that I have all this opportunity to do something amazing with this place. And I just hope that I have the time to do it. It's the biggest race I'm you'll against. Find, you'll find time. the time. If you want to do it, the time will present it. Or if California will allow me to. Well, you get the hell out of California. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would. I no, definitely... don't do that. You're fighting a good fight. We need people like you there. So definitely. Oh, I'm. This place goes. There's nothing. I mean, I this this property is. I could never walk away. I would always have it. You know. So. All right. Now, what we want to do is we're going to talk about our trivia. And I've got to announce the winner from episode 167 from the X-Steel Targets. All right, so we had quite a few contestants on this. And questions related to a video that they had posted on their Instagram page. And you're supposed to tell us uh, how many shots were fired and how many targets were hit. And it's real easy to hear how many targets are hit on that X-Steel Target because you get a very distinct ting when you're hitting that. X steel targets. And the answer was seven shots fired and six targets hit. And the lucky winner is drum roll please. <laughs> she's she's air drum rolling over there on the <laughs> And the winner is Justin Allen. Justin A from Logan City from Weber State. Utah. Okay. He's from Utah. Johnny Utah, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Justin, so you have to uh, shoot me an email at uh, talkinglead at gmail or hit me up on our Facebook page under private message and give me your contact info and I'll get that to X Steel Targets so they can get target steel target. Congratulations. This week, we're going to have another trivia question and it's going to be related to the event that we were talking about earlier. Christine is going to have at the San Joaquin. Do you call it San Joaquin or do you call it the Linden? Oh, man, it's been... What do you call it? It's been complicated for a while. It is the San Joaquin Rifle and Pistol Range, but people have a hard time remembering that, and they have a hard time saying Joaquin. Joaquin. So it, we just, it, it's been 
coined Linden Gun Range. So that's what we put the website as. But I anticipate changing the whole name to Freedom's Fury Outdoor Recreation Shooting Complex. Okay, so the <laughs> event is going to be there. <laughs> and and uh, you're going to uh, you're going to tell us about that event, right? Okay. Um, well, this event is um, brought to you with alongside the San Joaquin Rifle and Pistol Range, but with the, from VPOB as well as um, Axis and Tactical. They are helping us with the event. Um, but it's a two-day event. You don't have to bring your firearms out. You, it's twenty-five bucks for the adults, five dollars for the kids, um, and you come out and you get to shoot a bunch of different stages um, with different people. We have Charlie Melton come out who's a who's a retired veteran and he's going to shoot some long rifle stuff. We're going to have... Which he's uh, going to be on the show coming up uh, in an upcoming episode, Charlie. Yeah. yeah. He is so awesome. I had the opportunity to hang out with him during the accident event and I'm just so glad that I got to. It was really... It, so many people that we met there were just amazing people with amazing stories and it, I mean, it just solidified my love for the, the sport and the industry. But, um, yeah, he's awesome. You'll like having him on the show. Cool. Um, so we're going to have a bunch of different stages. And you get to go and you get to shoot one-on-one -on -one and try something different or or do something fun. We're going to have Nat Warfare there. So we're going to have moving targets. You're going to be able to try and shoot at this moving target. And it goes up to 20 two miles per hour i think or 23 it's so fast and i got the opportunity to shoot it um when they came and visited with jeff Ax axelson and his family and came out to the range and i got i got to do that and it was really cool um so i know people are gonna love that uh, we're gonna have a range specifically for um specifically for the youth so it's 22 long rifle um air rifles and it'll be pumpkins and squash and all kinds of stuff that we can put together. We're also going to have yeah. each have vendor. a lot of splatters, a lot of things that'll explode when they shoot it. And I'll be so excited to do it because it's so much fun. <laughs> I like doing that stuff too. I'll be on that range the most. You have some zombies out there? You can shoot some zombies? It's, it is uh, we'll Halloween. Have, we'll, have some, we'll have some fun stuff for sure. Uh, we're also going to, each of the vendors will have bowls for the kids to trick or treat at. So, um, we really wanted to make this kids focus. You can do it as a family yeah. and we'll have a bunch of vendors um, close to the clubhouse and we'll have a, both a VFOB and outside vendors. Um, so nice. being able to just get more knowledge about what's new in the industry and, and fun things to have. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's like a shooting car, a carnival, yeah, I guess you could say. It sounds like, yeah. Right. And it's going to be um, October 22nd through the 23rd, right? Starting at 10 a.m going on to 5 p.m. So if you lead heads are out in California area or you want to go, uh, go ahead and start planning now and get your tickets and then get your tickets online, right? Or do they just buy them at the door? Uh, well, you can get them online. Okay. Um, we'll have them sold at some local gun stores. Um, but online is, is a good way. You get to read about all the different events that are going to be on the different ranges that we have. And... Um, or you can call in, you can come into the office. So there's, there's plenty of ways to pick those tickets up. But if you want to win this trivia prize, you're going to have to go online <laughs> and, uh, yes, exactly. and, and get, get the answer for the trivia question that we've got coming up. That's going to be an awesome event. And it is, uh, VFOB is going to be involved with that. 
So you guys make sure that if you have an opportunity to go, it's going to be a great time. Get out there, support um, the walk. The San Joaquin Rifle and Pistol Range and VFOB. And um, actually, some of the proceeds will go to support the Matthew Axelson Foundation as well as the Lone Survivor Foundation. Awesome. Very good. So even more uh, reason for you guys to go out of your way. Uh, don't go trick-or-treating. Get your plane ticket. Head on out to Linden, California and mm-hmm. attend this. It's only $25 for the adults. And what, $5? Uh, yeah. For the Utes. <laughs> the Utes. Yep. They're important. They are. They are our future. Get them off those phones. Off the phones, out from in front of those TVs, playing those video games, which I do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's, uh, let's hit them with the trivia question. What do they got to do? What are they going to win? Uh, okay, um, so I thought you were going to do this. They're oh. going to win. Well, they'd rather hear at... you talk than me. <laughs> uh, they will win two tickets to Extreme Halloween on the range. Um, so, yeah. Two tickets. All right, there you go, Leadheads. There's two tickets up for grabs here to attend the Extreme Halloween October 22nd through the 23rd at the San Joaquin. See, I jack it up too. San Joaquin Rifle and Pistol Range in Linden, California. And, and what's ahead. really awesome about these two tickets? So even if you're uh, not local and maybe can't make the event, but those tickets will enter you to win a prize for a raffle. And that's kind of where we're going with this, right? Okay, right. Now, they don't have to be present to win. Is that correct? Um, if they're lucky. No, just kidding. No, they don't have to. We'll make it work for them, for sure. Now, now what they can also do, uh, Christine, is if they if they can't attend and they're the winner, there's no way possible that they can attend, they could donate these to a veteran in the, in, in the area. And you'd help them hook them up with a local veteran, a couple of veterans there in the area, and, and have them attend. Absolutely. Which you, all right, so what are they going to have to do to win those two tickets and a possible chance to drawing? So they're going to go to the event page for the Extreme Halloween on the Range, and they're going to find out what is included with their entry into the event when they purchase a ticket for the adults. And then once you get that information, you're going to go find out what raffle item you're going to get the description of that rifle app, raffle item what are you going to win specifically um when when you when that number gets pulled for you so very very easy guys um and you go to the lindengunrange.com website and find the extreme halloween on the range event and for the adult ticket Tell us what all's included with that ticket, and there's a, ri- a raffle item that's going to be up for grabs, and it's a mystery, but they actually tell you somewhere on their website what it is. So you've got to find that on their website by going through their different pages there, what the actual mystery uh, raffle item is. And you're going to have to go to where they're going to post these answers is... Christine's going to post this show on their Facebook page, okay? And under that link to the show on... What's your Facebook page? Is it Joaquin uh, or Linda? Forward slash gun range. Your Facebook page? It's uh, facebook.com forward slash gun range. Just gun range? Yeah, it's a, it's San Joaquin Rifle and Pistol Range Facebook Facebook page, yes. But if okay, they yeah, do... San, yeah, so go San Joaquin, and that's uh, J-A-Q-U... 
I-N-E? J-O-A-Q-U-I-N. <laughs> Why didn't you stop me way before I <laughs> I wanted to hear the new version because so there's so many. <laughs> S-A-N-J-O-N. Nope. J-O-A-A-Q. Q. U. I. Gun range. No, no E. No E. See, this is why we got to go to Freedom's Fury. There it is. San Joaquin Rifle and Pistol Range. So if you search that, um, Christine is going to have the show posted there like like we do on all our trivia questions. You'll go to the guest uh, Facebook page, and under the post where she posts the show, put your answers there. You have to like their Facebook page also. Okay? So like the Facebook page. Like the post, obviously. Listen to the show. <laughs> you have to listen to the show before you even want, even know what's going on. Uh, and then post your comments under there. And then this is coming up. Let's see how long to give them. Find a calendar. So you guys, the show that we release the week of October the 17th is when we'll announce the week. Christine, we greatly appreciate you doing that with the with the trivia. I know there's going to be a lot of excited leadheads for that, especially when they find out what the raffle prize is. Definitely. <laughs> now, can I enter this? Am I eligible for this? Uh, you're going to... I'm not eligible now. <laughs> I'm not eligible. <laughs> I wish I was. It's a really cool prize. You can buy a ticket. I could, yeah. couldn't I? Yeah. You can buy a I just can't yeah. do the uh, the trivia. Right. All right. Um, you guys have the Facebook page. Are you on Instagram? We are. That one's under Linden Gun Range. Okay. Linden Gun Range on Instagram. San Joaquin Rifle and Pistol Range on Facebook. It's J-O-A-Q-U-I-N. <laughs> Yep. It'll pop up. And then uh, you got your website, which is under. Then you guys have some events, some more events coming up also. Tell us about those. Well, not so much. We have programs. Um, we do, we're putting all our focus into this event. Um, and then we're, we're planning on having a lot of different competitions and trainings and stuff that are going to be new to the range. So um, right now we have a shooting club and it's about, or it's just introducing a defensive carbine and a shotgun, defensive shotgun um, program. So that'll add to our existing ladies pistol night and men's pistol night. Um, we will be introducing an intro to competition shooting course as well. Um, we're definitely going to bring back a plethora of NRA courses, intro to pistol, the basic pistol, personal defense inside and outside the home, shotgun, all that good stuff. Uh, we're looking into the action pistol shooting, uh, some three gun competition stuff. Cool. And then of course that 22 long right range um, marksmanship events or competition that, that we want to bring here as well. So lots of new stuff to do. Oh, also um, we're planning on adding some hand-to-hand -hand defensive type things so that, you know, if you don't want to carry a firearm, there are other avenues in order to protect yourself. And what are you allowed to do mm. in those in those situations? So right. we want to make it just a comprehensive. For those people who aren't comfortable carrying a firearm. You know, there are exactly. those people. You know, they don't want to take on that additional responsibility well, of, of gun ownership. You know, and and, and there's, there's a lot of people who aren't into having a firearm on their persons, but they have somebody that's close to them that does carry, mm -hmm. or there is a firearm in the house. So having a program that at least gets them comfortable with the idea of it, gives them all the information that they need to know, being around it. So... You know, just taking some of that um, anxiety away if you have any. Right? Absolutely, that's a great. And they can go to your website and sign up for these classes, or give you a call. Uh, yeah, that's on our website. Okay. So there's the LGR Shooting Club. 
Um, click on that and that gives you all the different options that are coming out and plus the more of the you know all the new ones we're going to be adding soon well i'd love to come out and visit the range sometime uh, maybe do some videos and of course it sounds, it sounds awesome out i'd love to have you like you to thank for the event <laughs> october that's yeah i'm not going to be able to make that it's too short notice for me okay next time yeah now are you guys you guys going to shot show or any of those kind of events do you go to those definitely okay well we'll have to hook up well, at shot show hopefully i mean if things went really well if i i believe they're announcing the winner of the american marksman nationals at shot show so i'll be there for that and i'll be there for hopefully they're the calling range. your name well, that would be excellent, but I mean, it's such a hard thing to do because there's eight different, uh, there's eight people in each division, women's, men's, military LEO, and youth. So in order to win that title, you have to win your division and then go to the final four with each of the division winner. And the person who wins that gets the title in the 50,000. So it's not going to be easy. Um, I wish I had more time to dedicate to it, but when is I, that that competition? January sixth is when we get there, so I think it's the seventh and the eighth okay. in Talladega, Alabama, at the CMT range. Really excited to see that. I saw pictures of it, and it looks amazing. Yeah, that will so you'll be uh, you'll be busy going from that directly to uh, Shot Show because Shot Show that next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get tickets. <laughs> yeah, you need to go ahead and start booking your flight. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Airfare gets crazy and your hotel too. I uh, know. Definitely. So many things. Well, thank you again for taking the time to be on the show. I thoroughly enjoyed hearing the story about the range and how it came to be and your family. Uh, just amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I really had a good time doing this. So thank you. And thank you for uh, supporting VFOB. Appreciate that. It's my pleasure. It's it's a great program to be involved gotta with. Have and you, uh, place to support. Got to yeah. have you on uh, maybe just a brief thing and let us know how the Extreme Halloween goes. Okay. We'll get to let everybody know how it went. Of course, Leadheads might be a winner of that mystery. So no, they would be super happy. Yeah, just saying. Uh, I'd like to thank all our sponsors, uh, Nordic Components. Check them out at nordiccomp.com. And uh, we're going to be getting some videos with their new rifles coming up very soon. And the uh, IREC VET 888 event, I'm hoping to get a lot of videos. Uh, you never know how that uh, may be getting shots of me shooting other people. Cobalt Kinetics, check them out at cobaltkinetics.com. The uh, Cobalt Kinetics 3-gun team is really kicking ass, so make sure you guys are following them on their Facebook and Instagram. I'd like to thank Frontier Tactical. FrontierTactical.com, their Warlock system. Uh, they just came out with an adapter for the free float handguard, so make sure you guys check that out. Uh, awesome piece, and a lot of people have been asking free float adapter. They've got it. Now, trick your AR out and do multiple calibers, uh, up to 68 different calibers from one AR, I believe, is where they're at now on that. Very cool thing. X Steel Targets. Glock. The official carry of left hand at Talking Lead. I rock the Glock 23 and the Glock 27. You guys, check out Glock USA. Uh, hoping to uh, get an interview with them coming up at the Big Three East. Corey down there, and he alluded us last year. Multicam, Multicam Pattern. Check them out at multicampattern.com. The uh, lead sled is going to be traveling from Tennessee all the way down to Florida this next couple of weeks. So if you guys see me out, 
give me a honk, shout at me, come up, say hey, and I may have a little special prize. All right, Christine, thank you again so much for being on the show. We're looking forward to having you on again. Uh, definitely talk about that extreme Halloween on the range of it. Definitely. And as always, Leadheads, keep your loved ones close. And keep your firearms closer. And train, train, train at your range, range, range. Bam. Look at that. You're a one-take mofo. <laughs> Are you sure? It was so cheesy. <laughs> it was cheesy, wasn't it? I'm going to listen to that and be like this. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to go, I nailed it. Oh, go, Bam. Uh, nailed it. Drops the mic. <laughs>